Hello, one and all. Larry Brown here from the Sports and the World Podcast. To listen to this episode and every episode of the Sports and the World Podcast, check us out on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Without further ado, listen to this week's episode of the Sports and the World Podcast. Enjoy. Good afternoon, good evening, whenever you listen to it, and how you listen to it. Thank you for making the sports and the world podcast a part of your day. I'm Ladarius, and on this episode, I'll be writing solo this week. Uh, Chris is not with us this week. He's handling some personal business, so thinking of you, buddy, and be safe. And we'll, he'll be back here next week where we're going to go all in on the Super Bowl in our previews. So... With that being said, let's dive in. When you look at a business, and no matter what the business is, it could be the business that's around your corner, it could be Walmart, it could be literally any type of business. One of the things to understand about the business is who who you're listening to. Because at some point, stores listen. Stores are the ones that are listening to we the consumers because we give them money. So naturally they will listen to us more often than not. And the reason why I bring that is it's important to understand who has the power, who has the control, because sometimes it's a very popular misconception, and which is true by nature, by the way. Yes, companies do have the power. Yes. But in, in, in retrospect, they wouldn't have the power if it wasn't the power of the people coming in and helping them with their revenue by coming in their stores. Could you imagine if everyone, think about this. Think about what if 50% of those who shop at Walmart today go to Target. Walmart's going to be in trouble. So they have to listen to us to some degree because... We are, we have control. We have the power. And it's about understanding that power. And once you understand it, it's how you use it. And with that, I want to talk about Deshaun Watson in Houston. Because one of the things that I think it's important to understand is that I understand. And a lot of fans, if you're a Texans fan, you understand. If you're a football fan, you're an NFL fan, you understand. This is not about, you know, how you feel about Deshaun Watson, the the player. It's about how you feel about Deshaun Watson, the person. And this is what I mean. If you can love Deshaun Watson, the player, and not like the person, and you can not like Deshaun Watson, the person, but love Deshaun, whatever you want to juxtaposition either concept in. But in this scenario here, you root, I root for both the player and the person. Because here's the reality. And I just want to provide a little timeline provided by, you know, Complex Magazine. Adam Mansfield did a very good job writing, giving a timeline of this whole Deshaun Watson saga. And this started when they drafted him back in 2017. He's the 12th overall pick. He's a franchise quarterback. He was arguably the second best quarterback out of that draft behind some guy named Patrick Mahomes 
you may have heard of him. So the next year, he makes the Pro Bowl. Listen, he completed a little over 60% of his passes. He had 26 touchdowns. He had nine interceptions. He had 4,165 yards passing. So he's in the Pro Bowl. He's a Pro Bowler. So now, 2019 comes. The next year, he gets into the playoffs. They beat they beat the Bills in a very good overtime matchup in the wild card round. So there was a divisional round and play the aforementioned Mahomes and the Chiefs in Arrowhead. Now, they had a 24-0 lead, and they blew it. And, by the way, the Chiefs won that game 51-31. Listen, Deshaun Watson, listen, 31-52, 38 yards, two touchdowns in the air, one on the ground. And, all, and where I hear people say, oh, well, Deshaun couldn't beat. No, the Texans defense, this is the story. They give up 51 points. I know the Chiefs offense is good, but this is playoffs. This is the playoffs. But yet, all I heard was the narrative that, oh, Deshaun Watson could. No, no, Deshaun Watson did his job. You can't clone 11 Deshaun Watsons to play linebacker, to play secondary, to play on the defensive line. No, that's on J.J. Watt. That's on that defensive unit. Every single person in that defensive unit. I'm not saying you could stop Patrick Mahomes, but don't blame, don't like blame Deshaun like he didn't, like he had a trash game. No, he did what he could do because the defense, it didn't matter. If Deshaun Watson scored and scored, the defense couldn't stop that day. They couldn't stop Patrick Mahomes. So now, that's over. So we enter last year. Bill O'Brien, the GM, essentially trades DeAndre Hopkins, all-pro receiver, arguably in the top five receivers in the league, to some, packs him up, Sims to Arizona and does not get a first round pick. You get you get a, a bloated contract in David Johnson, second round pick and some pick. And I think they got like a soda machine and some sweet baby Ray's barbecue sauce in the deal. They didn't get nothing back. And maybe a case of Arizona tea. They didn't get anything. So at that point, it was reported that Deshaun Watson. Was at a two out of ten before the trade. He's a ten out of ten in terms of frustration, and I can understand that. Is that how can you say he's your franchise quarterback? You're supposed to build things around him, to him for he to be successful. That's why you drafted him, in the first round. That's why you got it. So I understand his frustration there, and then I'm gonna double down on that in a minute. So, also last year he signed a. A four-year extension for $177.5 million. And that's the second biggest contract behind Patrick Mahomes. So the Texans believe that he's that good. And Deshaun Watson, did he sign it? Yes, he did. People are like, oh, well, he signed the contract, he has to play. We're going to get to that, too. And here's here's the biggest thing for me. Is it that? They told him. He didn't ask. Cal McNair, who sounds like paint drying, and management told him, okay, Deshaun, you can have a voice. So this is what happens. He was told he could have a proverbial seat at the table. He doesn't get it. Now, I understand this, and I said this 
on on a previous episode where I understand why you don't want to have him picking the general manager. I understand that. That part, you're not going to dispute me about. I get it. But when it comes to the head coach, someone Deshaun Watson is going to be working with for the next 10 to potentially 15 years, I believe he should have a say. Because he he he's not going to work with the GM on a day-to-day basis. He's going to work with the coach. He's going to work with the coach for four, four months. So you think about it, he's going to work with them essentially, you know, a, a majority of the season. So, yeah, he has a say. He he should have a say. People like, he should have a say. Yeah, he should. So here we are. Deshaun Watson reportedly, he wants out. They hired, a, they hired David Culley, the Ravens assistant head coach, to take the job. And it reportedly came down to David Culley and Leslie Frazier. Now, what name am I missing? And I've talked about him, Eric Bieniemy. This is where the where the you know what really hit the fan. It's that they didn't want they didn't interview when all the openings came up for the NFL, the head coaching openings. They did not want to give my dude Bieniemy an interview. Deshaun said, "Give him an interview." Deshaun said, "Okay, go out there and hire him. Interview him." Because when you interview him, you might be intrigued. Deshaun Watson knows football. This just in. But what did the Texans do? They were the only team, the first go around and say, yeah, you know what, we're not going to talk to him. And all of a sudden, okay, then we'll talk to him. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So here we are. Now, he wants out. And at the introductory press conference, Nick Casario and David Culley said, well, we're not going to, you know, he's not going to trade to Watson. Sean Watson, you can say that all you want. But this is where when I'm with fans say, where some fans will say, well, okay, well, he's, well, he has to stay because they pay. Stop. Quarterbacks have always had control. Like John Elway was the number one overall pick. And that year, the Baltimore Colts had the number one overall pick. And he didn't want to go to Baltimore. So at that time, then GM Ernie Acorsi of the Baltimore Colts had, he was in a pickle because he, John always said, don't draft me. So, so what do we do? Okay, you, you had to ship it. Draft in the ship and ship him off. Because John Elway didn't want to be, and I'm not going to speak for John Elway, but Baltimore Coast management wasn't exactly that great post Johnny Unitas. Like, so I understand if you know the story, I won't go into it because it's not, you know, it's a, you know, a little part of the story here. It's a microcosm of the bigger story. But John Elway didn't want to play in Baltimore. So guess what, Ball John Elway got traded to Denver, and the rest is history. Fast forward, 2004. 17 years ago. Eli Manning did not want to be a San Diego Charger. So what did he, and listen, his parents, he told San Diego, 
don't draft me. Do not draft me. Because I'm not going to play in San Diego. So, once again, guess who's involved in this? Again, this time Ernie Acorsi, but now it's the GM of the Giants. Because he wanted to go to New York. He wanted to go in a major market. He had nothing against San Diego. Hell, a lot of people have against San Diego. Listen, you got the... You got the Naval Pier, I believe, there. You got the Padres, they're looking, you know. You know, San Diego's a good city. Rob Burgundy. So, it's not the worst city in the, in the country. But that wasn't a major market. A Manning had to play in a major market, in his opinion. Whereas Brother Peyton played in Indy. But we're not going to get into that either. The fact of the matter is, he had leverage. Because you draft him and he doesn't play. You're a quarterback. It's going to affect your franchise, like I said, the next 10 to 15 years. So you kind the quarterback has the power. This is what I said earlier about the store. See, yes, do does Walmart's and any mom and pop, do they have power? Yes. But who has the real control is we the consumers. Because if we don't go there, they're going to listen like, okay, well, we have to kind of cater and kind of meet them halfway. That's essentially... What you're seeing, what you saw transpire with John Elway, you had to meet him. Like you had to meet him. Like okay, you don't want to be here. We got to trade you. So you you got to kind of meet the demand. And then same thing for Eli Manning. He didn't want to be there, so you got to ship him off. So, so I've defended Deshaun Watson countless times, and and this is why. Since he was drafted in 2017, this is one reason why he wants out. He's been sacked 174 times. That's second in that time span to Russell Wilson's 189 times. And listen, that year, by the way, that year in the Pro, he made the Pro Bowl in 2018, he was sacked 62 times. 62. Led the league. So, I don't want to hear, oh, Deshaun Watson, you know, oh, no. He wants out because they felt that they weren't serious about his health. How, how do I know that? Because he got 60, he got sacked 62 times. By the way, they played 16 games. So, kind of do the math. This man was sacked almost four times every game on average. On average. So, think about that. So if you don't want to protect him, listen, Andrew Luck, the offensive line was terrible. What did Chris Ballard do the very next year when you know Andrew Luck retired? He went and got Quentin Nelson. He invested in the offensive line. You protect your assets. You have to somewhat appease your assets. Deshaun Watson was not asking for more money because he got the money. He wasn't asking for complete control of front office decisions. He was asked to be involved and and have a conversation. And the organization did not meet him halfway. They didn't meet him a third of the way. Because I understand you didn't want to bring him in to hire the GM. I understand that's front office personnel. I get that. But for him not to have a say on who he's going to be working with for the next 10 to 15 years, and you invested in that position, 
you invested in your Deshaun Watson and you're not going to have him say who he's going to coach with? Yeah, I understand why he's upset. And I get that. So here's the thing. When I tell people that Deshaun Watson's a top five quarterback, I said the only four guys I would take over Deshaun Watson right now, right now, Patrick Mahomes, in no particular order, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Russell Wilson, and Aaron Rodgers. I would take Rodgers, Wilson, Allen, and Mahomes. Those are the four dudes I would take over. I don't want to hear, I'm talking about, would you take Drew Brees right now over to Sean Watson? Would you take Tom Brady? Even though Tom Brady could go up there and win another Super Bowl and win eight. Uh, no. I said, you got to look at body of work. Deshaun Watson this year, here's the thing. He led the league in pass. He threw he, over 4,400 yards passing. He threw 301 yards a game at second. And you know I love completion percentage. Listen, he was third in the league. He was behind Rodgers and Breeze. At 70.2%. Those are the only three guys in the league that threw over 70%. So every 10 times you threw the ball, it was in somebody's hands 70% of the time. So what I'm not understanding is, if you're the Texan, you can sit there and say he wants to stay. But the fact of the matter is, does he really want, he doesn't want to be there. And David Culley, could you know? I want him to succeed because that organ, because the Texas organization is a dumpster fire. And as long as dudes like Jack Easterby are sitting in that front office, it ain't gonna work. It ain't gonna work. And at some point, David Cullen, oh well, he can communicate with the players. Yeah, okay, that's great. But can does he have the resume as impressive as Bianca's? Because this is a resume. This is the resume. Did he have the resume? And in my opinion, he did not have the resume. And no one can sit there and convince me otherwise. He did. David Culler could be a good dude, but he didn't have the resume. And that's on the Houston Texans. Listen, you and then you went out and got Leslie Frazier, who got stomped by Eric Bieniemy in the playoff. He got stumped in the AFC Championship game. But yet, you still you still thought that Leslie Frazier was was worth the final interview, but you couldn't wait for a enemy. He wasn't worth the wait, and and like you know, I was talking to somebody on Twitter, someone who I suggest you guys should follow, Rachel Van Oranje. We were simpatico. If I were Eric Bieniemy, I would just stay at Kansas City till Andy Reid retires, because it seems that. Nobody really wanted him. And it could be a similar situation to what Josh McDaniels is in New England. Where at some point, whenever Belichick retires, Josh McDaniels will be the head coach. And if I were Egg Brandy, I wouldn't leave Patrick Mahomes. Your, the cap situation is going to be great. Why bother? Why bother? And listen, I want David Cullen to succeed. But before I wrap up my whole point here. Is, is that anybody defending the Texas organization here, which is your right to, it's your right to defend the Houston Texans. But this is why I don't. 
He is your number one asset. He is the face of your franchise. Deshaun Watson wanted the organization not just the field, but he wanted to have to progress in social justice initiatives. And this is what I say. If you're an owner, it doesn't matter whether you necessarily agree with these social justice initiatives, but you look pretty bad if you don't. If Deshaun Watson, a good dude, from all accounts, he's a good dude. He's not being selfish. He's not being greedy. Get that narrative out of here. He wants out, not because he feels he can't succeed in Houston. It's just that Houston doesn't want him to succeed. The Texas doesn't want him to succeed. He loved the city. He loved the city of Houston. If you read about some of the things he's done for that city, he loves the city. But he simply does not love what the Texans are doing to him, and he is not wrong. I will defend Deshaun Watson all the live long day. Because the fact of the matter is, you went in and you just did, you went and said, literally, okay, we'll we'll let you talk, Deshaun, and then you don't. Okay, what you essentially did, it's like, think of this in a relationship context. If, if your spouse tells you that you don't listen enough or you, you don't do enough to, to make me happy, that's the equivalent of you just basically sitting there and just keep doing the opposite of what they want you to do. It doesn't register. Your word is no good. If your wife says, well, I, you know, I would like some flowers and you still don't bring flowers. Deshaun Watson was not asking the Texans to pay for the dinner. He's asking to get some flowers and treatment. That money, don't bring in money. He's your quarterback. I said, you won't even do that. The Texans right now won't even bring, won't even bring Deshaun flowers because they don't find him interesting because they don't want to listen to him anymore. And at that press conference, if you watch the press conference, Cully and Easterby and Casario... The mascot can all say that Deshaun Watson, we're not going to trade him. That's easy for you to say because here, here, here's the proof. Remember when Le'Veon Bell wanted to demand to be traded from the Pittsburgh Steelers? What did the Steelers do? They let him write it out. Why? Because he's a running back. Now, if Big Ben did that, they'd have tried to work it out with Big Ben at, at all costs If it, in that situation. Le'Veon Bell, he's a running back. I said the quarterback position is essentially the super, you know, I'm not going to say the superstar position, but it's the franchise position. In the NBA, it's a player driven, so you can have star players at certain positions, like LeBron James, Kevin Durant, you, Kawhi Leonard. You can have star players and superstars who have control. And have it'll have the freedom to do whatever. And they have a say. But John Watson wants a say. He wants his voice to be heard. He's not, he didn't ask, and this is the point I want to make before we wrap up. He never said, I wanted to hire. He he knew he didn't have the hiring power, but he knew he, he wanted the ear of management. Because these are dudes he's going to be working with, especially the head coach. 
I understand. Like I say, I will keep repeating it. I understand why he didn't want to have the GM. I get it. That's personnel. But for him not to have a say on who his potential quote-unquote on-field boss is going to be in the next 10 to 15 years, it's ridiculous. You don't believe him. You're not committed to him. And you can sit there and say, oh, oh, well, he's going to be a Texan. Listen, you know who else tried to do that? The Orlando Magic. Remember when Dwight Howard started doing that yakety 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 yak? And I kept saying that. You, when he started that, ship it. Because at that, at that point, there was no trying to console Dwight Howard or try to make him feel. Because by the time he left, the organization was somewhat toxic. And right now for the Texans, it's full-blown toxic. Get Deshaun Watson what he wants and get him out of the building. He deserves that. Because he doesn't hate the city. He hate he doesn't like the Texans. They like the management. And they're not willing to change. So if I I wish David Cullen success, but they're certainly not off not off to the greatest of starts. And speaking of starts, you know, we're gonna talk about something after the break. We're gonna talk about potentially the start of something big in wrestling in the Royal Rumble that could potentially happen. And that's next here on the Sports and the World Podcast. And welcome back into the podcast. And if you want to listen to this episode and every episode, check out Apple, Spotify, or wherever podcasts can be heard. And to check us out on social media, go to at Sports the World on both Twitter and Instagram. That's at Sports the World, both Twitter and Instagram. And check us out on Facebook at Sports in the World. And as well as Sunday for the group, we have daily poll questions and conversations and connectivity there as well. And as for me, check me out on Twitter at Ladares underscore Brown and on Instagram at TheBigNerd77. And for the record, I try to try to be at Ladarius underscore Brown on Instagram, but obviously there are more of me than I think. So, so that's why it's at the Big Nerd seventy seven. So here we are. I want to talk about one more thing before we wrap up. Heading to the weekend, I want to talk about the Royal Rumble. And one of the things that I dedicated to myself more with this show is to talk about wrestling more because. I've I've loved wrestling, I'd say, for at least 25 years, since I was eight. My first action figure was the Ahmed Johnson action figure where he wore the red trunks and the red. So those, you know, if if you remember that, then you're somewhere around my age or, or, or older. So I've always loved wrestling. And one of the, to me, one of my most, one of the favorite pay-per-views I have is the Royal Rumble. Because essentially the Royal Rumble is kind of that stepping stone to WrestleMania. It's the proverbial road to WrestleMania. And and this year, I just find it, you know, every year is interesting. But, you know, this year, usually you could maybe find a, a, you know, a person, you know, that stands out. But to me, you know, and that goes for the women's side. I think with the Royal Rumble, no matter what year, I'll put it in this context. 
where it's always hard to predict who's going to win because you have to figure out a couple of things. A, who does the company believe in? B, what makes sense from a progress, you know, maybe from a storyline or from a potential, you know, could you know, could you see him as champion type situation? And more importantly, the appeal to us, the fans. In some years, they get, you know, fans loved it. Some years, fans didn't. I'm not going to tell you which years because, listen, I'm not trying to get, you know, persecuted on wrestling Twitter. But what I decided to do is that I'm just going to pick who I think is going to win the you know the men and men's and women's Royal Rumble. I can try to predict the matches, but I expect them to go. I expect the champions to retain. But what do I know? But so I for each I have three names and a wild card. So for the men's side, I look at three names. I look at Biggie. Cesaro and AJ Styles. And I look at Big E because, well, he's the IC champ. But if they're really committed to just strapping that rocket to him and literally putting him on that path, he wins the Royal Rumble. And it could be very interesting. Him and Roman Reigns, it could be very interesting. Very interesting because it's different. You know, this really would be the metal to see the Biggie as a it would be arguably the biggest match of his career, quite arguably. And Biggie, like you know, Paul Heyman said on Talking Smack, you know, when we talk about Biggie, the New Day may be just somewhere in the rear view. It's not a knock on on New Day, but it was just a part of his career. In the same way, when we look at the scope of Triple H's career with DX, or when you look at Shawn Michaels' career with DX. You know, you look at it as a microcosm of of a, of a greater career. So uh, that makes sense to me. And also AJ Styles. I really think that this could really work. Because I think if, if AJ Styles gets this one last run, I think AJ Styles has proven he's a champion because he was a champion. I think that it makes a lot of sense. And if you want to give a new contender for Drew McIntyre, because let's face the facts. Let me back the train up here. There's no way Goldberg's winning that match. Because if if he does, it throws a wrinkle in it. And if so let's I'm gonna postulate that Drew McIntyre will still be the champion. Drew McIntyre, AJ Styles has that appeal. And more importantly, I think AJ, if you want a guy to go up against Drew McIntyre, AJ Styles makes sense. Uh, if you do process of elimination of those he's already, you know, faced from a storyline perspective. So, to me, that makes a lot of sense. And to me, me and a friend were talking about this particular name. And when I slept on it and thought about, you know, the bulk of his career, it made a whole lot of sense. And that's Cesaro. I think if you give this to Cesaro, it validates what we and many fans have felt that Cesaro is getting that push. He's getting that push to be a world champion. Now, how would it work between him and Roman Reigns? Does he switch brand? It'd be very, very interesting. On that standpoint, because when you look at the last maybe five 
I don't want to say maybe 10 years. You look at, you know, someone who we as fans felt has been the most underutilized. It's always been Cesaro, more often than not, because he's just naturally gifted at what his size. That's why he's the Swiss Superman. You can't teach the strength that he has. It's athleticism. When when we talk about Cesaro, when we say the things about Cesaro, we're kind of somewhat talking about Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar is a beast incarnate on his own. But when we talk about Cesaro, I think what happens is, is that maybe Cesaro's personality, I don't know what it is. I love Cesaro's person. But listen, I don't work in the company. Cesaro, he fits the bill, he has the talent, and he is believable as champion. Because you have to have someone who fans can go, like, okay, I can see him as champion. And that may, t- may take time for some, but to me it's absolutely, absolutely believable and it makes a whole lot of sense from that point of view. So, now the wild card. Now, this wild card makes sense. It, it, it's Edge. And once again, the friend of mine talks. Listen, a friend of mine is very influential, so I have to succumb to peer pressure. But, but once again, thought about it, and I said, you know, give Edge one. What we understand about Edge is that his run, especially as world champion, wasn't that bad. Really think about it. You know, think about the injury. So, did we get, you know, the full capability of Edge? I think Edge has something to prove, and without without a doubt, with no doubt about it, if you put him, and I think this is interesting. Now, who he, which champion, would he face? Because there's not a scenario in the world where I personally believe that once again, would you put him? Would you put him? Against Roman Reigns, assume once again we're assuming. Against Roman Reigns, would you assume to put him kind of in? You know, would you put him with Drew McIntyre? Could you make that work? You know, because in my opinion, I don't see McIntyre nor Reigns losing. I think. If you had asked me who has the greater probability of losing, and this may shock people, it's Drew McIntyre because of what we've seen, what WWE has done with Goldberg. Being the fiend, beating, listen, in in quick and short order. To me, I can see Roman Reigns winning. Fairly more confident in that. But let's, you know, go back to the track here. I truly believe that if you give it to Edge, when you look at his career, the rated R superstar, we look at his career. One, one it's kind of like the AJ Styles kind of one more run. Because was it whether you believe it's Edge is a Hall of Famer, put it in, dot it in, he's in. The fact of the matter is, the penultimate question will become. Well, long term, well, we're not focused. If he wins, I believe Edge wins. He gets a shot. He gets WrestleMania. Same thing with AJ Styles. They get the main event at WrestleMania. Something that both, you know, you know, AJ Styles clearly deserves, and fans wouldn't mind seeing Edge there one more time. So, so those are my, you know, three in the wild card. 
Now, for the women, very interesting because it, 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 to me, it's more intricate because of who the champion is on each brand. So, to me, the first name that popped in was Bianca Belair. I think that just if you're committed to Bianca Belair, do you want to put her in the main event of WrestleMania? And when you look at those who came out of NXT, you're like, she hasn't really had a bad match. And here's here's how I know they're committed to Bianca Belair. Because notice who she's been working with essentially since she came got called up to SmackDown. The now SmackDown women's champion Sasha Banks and the former SmackDown champion Bailey. So my whole point is it can work. It can most definitely work, and I can see that happening. Another name is Alexa Bliss. And this is why I like Alexa Bliss. To me, Alexa Bliss is the best thing happening on Raw. And, and what makes it interesting about Alexa Bliss is how she doesn't need The Fiend to make The Fiend relevant. Because people could say, oh man, it's time to change storylines. No. I think that it makes sense and it fits. And I think even now she's got something going with Randy Orton. Randy Orton could be a factor. It's a lot of intrigue around Alexa Bliss. Plus, I think Asuka's days as Raw Women's Championship is numbered. I, I really do believe. It's a matter of what direction they go. Do they let Alexa Bliss win? She faced Alexa Bliss at WrestleMania. Or do you go, do we want to see Charlotte and Asuka again? And when you think about it, to me, to me, I would simply see, I want to see Alexa and Asuka because, not not necessarily because we've seen Charlotte and Asuka before, but because it's different. It's a variation. And plus, if you look at the Raw Women's Division, I think you could really go with one of those two women and I think I would be okay. But Alexa Bliss to me seems more feasible. I think having Charlotte win back-to-back Royal Rumble would be unprecedented, but I don't see them quite doing that. I do believe she might be in the final four. You know, her, it'd be her, Charlotte. You know, I think, and, and listen, this third woman, Bailey. I think essentially you could see Bailey, Bianca Belair, Alexa Bliss, and Charlotte Flair at the final four. That to me, because to me, you have, outside of Sasha Banks, the four of your top women across the shows. And it's no disrespect to any other woman in there, but the fact of the matter is, that's the final four. And Charlotte Flair is kind of on the, the outside because I just don't know if they want to win back-to-back Rumbles. If you've seen what they've done in the past, I don't know if they will, but they, they could. But this is what I like about Bailey, and I wrote about it. Bailey and Sasha saved SmackDown. Because if you think about it, they were across SmackDown. They literally led SmackDown pretty much when COVID happened throughout the summer. They were the faces, even though they were the heels. And then next thing you know, Bailey turns on Sasha. Like they were involved in some of the biggest storylines of last year. And Bailey, you can put her in any match and 
Listen, Bailey to me is the best wrestler. <laughs> She's the best female wrestler wrestling today. Because, and that's why I have Bianca Belair. Because WWE is saying, whoever Bailey works with, that's who they believe in. They believe in Bianca Belair. That's why Bianca Belair makes sense. I say understand that, and look, and she's worked with Sasha. So if you ask me today, I feel, it, don't be shocked if Bianca Belair wins, and don't be shocked if the final four is a Bianca Belair, Alexa Bliss, Bailey, and Charlotte. Because to me, those are the four best women wrestling not named Becky Lynch. If Becky Lynch, you know, shows back up, I think you can kind of pull out Maybe you could kind of pull out Lexa Bliss, or, you know, or maybe Bianca. But those are the four best women that I would have in the final four. There and now, here's the wild card I have. I want people to stay with me on this. Ah, right, stay with me. Liv Morgan or Ruby Riot. I do believe that the company is going to push them. To have champion, you know, to either at some point, I think they will be the women's tag team champions at some point. I, I I do believe that because I believe the Charlotte Oscar dynamic. I think Charlotte's gonna turn on Oscar at some point, and then that breaks up the team. And I think the team that you put in there is Liv Morgan, Ruby Riot. But as far as them as Rumble contenders, listen, if if, if I was a Vegas man, I saw their odds. I I, I dropped. I dropped something on it. I dropped something on it. To, to be perfectly honest. So with that, you know, those are my Royal Rumble predictions, and we can talk about the Royal. Check out, listen, go to our social media. Go to my personal social media. One more time, at Sports of the World, both Twitter and Instagram. Go to our Sports of the World Facebook page and our Facebook group. Go to my personal, my personal Twitter, at Ladares underscore Brown, and go to my Instagram. At the Big Nerd seventy seven, and see who do you who do you have winning the Royal Rumble, and also one of the poll questions I do have up is where do you see Deshaun Watson going? So check that out and interact with us. So until you hear me and Chris, we're here to get, we'll be here. You'll hear him again next week. Remember to be real, be you, be blessed, and be safe. From all of us here at the Sports and the World Podcast.